Heavenly Features is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, the weekly podcast where your host Sophie and Kim Hey, how's it going? Get together to talk about films. Each week we take it in turns to recommend a movie and this week it is Kim's turn. Uh, yes, it is. So this week I chose uh, the 2019 film Marriage Story, written and directed by Noah Baumbach, starring Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver and Laura Dern. Uh, so this is a film looking at the breakdown of a marriage uh, of Nicole, played by Scarlett Johansson, and Charlie, played by Adam Driver. They have to navigate the already tricky situation of divorce with the added extras of working together and having a kid. Uh, so we follow Nicole as she realises how much of herself she has lost or sacrificed in her marriage to Charlie. Uh, This film has so much raw emotion and drama and I think it does such a great job of showing the small moments of loss and pain in between the big arguments, which they also do incredibly well. Uh, The performances in this are just amazing and I think it does an amazingly accurate job of depicting the breakdown of a relationship or of a marriage. Um, So I've seen this film before and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. This was your first time seeing it, so uh, I want to know your thoughts. What, what were your thoughts on this one, Soph? It was not my favourite film, <laughs> but um, I don't know why. I just... Adam Driver is not my favourite actor, so that might be part of it. I don't know why, but because I know lots of people find him very charismatic. I find him kind of the opposite of charismatic. So, and, and I, th- I get that's like partly meant to be the point in this film, but considering his his character is, let's just say, not painted in the best light sometimes. Uh, I I think that made it harder to kind of get on board with it. I don't know. I really like Scarlett Johansson, though, and I really like Laura Dern. So there was some, and there were some really great performances in here. But I, there was something about the story that didn't fully kind of resonate with me. And I don't know if it's just because like marriage and stuff is not something I'm interested in, that there's a disconnect there. But uh, it's an interesting film for sure. And there are lots of interesting conversations to be had there. But uh, I thought that it was a just, it was not one that resonated so strongly for me. What about you? Because obviously you chose the film. What was your reason reasoning behind choosing this one? Yeah, so I, I love this film. I think that the I mean the performances alone are incredible uh and I just I love the story of this this marriage breakdown firstly but also the two of them struggling to figure out what went wrong and what they could bring to each other going forward um and also obviously we're seeing it, it a lot from Scarlett Johansson's point of view where she's in this relationship where she's kind of lost herself um from this sort of overbearing man who doesn't really listen or take in anything that she has to offer openly like he might use some of her stuff as she says when she's talking to her lawyer uh he might use some of her stuff creatively but she he she doesn't really get credit for it and and she kind of is always shut down by him um and i just i just find that story I like I love it I I it resonated with me definitely and yeah I just I think the performances alone in this are just so incredible and it's such a simple story of just a marriage breakdown 
but it's just I think it's just told in such a beautiful way and also I think it shows the the toxicity around bringing in lawyers that obviously a lot of the times is needed to bring in lawyers but the toxicity around that is just I mean shocking to see because I've I've never been through that myself I've never had to have lawyers through a breakdown because I've never been married so I've never had that whole divorce thing uh, I've been in in very long-term relationships where they've broken down but never had to ha- serve someone or have like papers drawn up um, and there's never been kids involved so it's just I find it fascinating to to watch that play out in front of you yeah, I think that like the lawyers, it's interesting because certainly they are coming to this case in a very different way than the, the parties involved. Um, so for uh, Laura Dern's character, she if this is a game to her, how much can she win by as opposed to like the humanizing side of the fact that, you know, there is a child involved and uh, these are two people who once loved each other and, and things have broken down and really you don't want to have a messy divorce because then that makes it very different, difficult to co-parent. But uh, so, so the lawyers very much come at it in the terms of, of kind of trying to trap people into saying certain things, um, revealing small fractional parts of people's behaviours and um, overblowing it to make it seem like they are more damaging or destructive than they might originally um actually appear in somebody's life um but it is a game to them um but i think that it's understandable why nicole needs a lawyer because she knows that he will walk all over her we see in several points of the of the film where she when she's around him his controlling behavior is really evident because she goes straight back into wife mode, mother mode, um, caring only for his needs mode, uh, where she cuts his hair or she decides what he's going to eat for lunch or uh, just just things that she, she goes back into this different space when she's around him. And so if they were going to kind of amicably divide their belongings and decide about what would be best in terms of custody for their child, I think she knew that she would lose because he is so overbearing and always gets his way. And quite frankly, it's slightly narcissistic. He doesn't ever seem to really consider any, like anyone else's opinion that much. For him, throughout, right from the beginning, it was always about winning. In many ways, I found he was closer to the way that the lawyers were playing it than perhaps he would care to admit because it was all about the fact that he didn't want to lose you know losing Nicole losing his wife to go and live in LA he had won that battle for so long in keeping her in New York because that's where his life was and he couldn't even consider right right up until right at the end he couldn't consider having to move for the benefit of his family the benefit of his wife the benefit of his child um, any of those things if that meant that he had to give up anything of his life um and he was not willing to do that until right at the end of the story um and that certainly shows a bit of development from his part on his part but i think that showed that for him it was always going to be a game when it came to them settling whether lawyers were involved or not 
about how he would win and get what he wanted, regardless of what Nicole wanted or what was best for their child. So I see why she got the lawyers involved, because I think she needed someone to stand up for her. And the way that her lawyer, the way Laura Dern goes about it isn't always right. But that's that's what happens when you hire a lawyer, probably. They're looking to do the best by their clients, not necessarily what's the best for the whole situation. But, and I'm, I'm not trying to slander lawyers there. I'm just saying like in this scenario, at the very least, um, that's kind of, and that's probably what they're used to. Because if you're a Los Angeles lawyer, you're probably dealing with a lot of big bullshit Hollywood marriages and divorces. But um, I think Nicole needs her to fight her battle for her a little bit because Charlie is so domineering and, quite frankly, just such an arsehole. I found him really, really unlikable. And I know that the film is from Nicole's point of view, but I can't see how it would be that different if it was flipped. What do you think? No, I, I agree. It's as much as... At some points, I'm like, oh, you know, it's sad that he is potentially going to see his son a lot less. There's no excuse for any of his behaviour. He He's completely engulfed, like, he's taken this, like, full person and used it to his advantage, but can't see anything past what he wants at, at so many points he he comes up with an idea and he's just like right this is what is happening and he can't see it from anyone else's point of view even down to the little things like when he wants to dress up his son as frankenstein for halloween and he he can't get past it or when he wants to take his son somewhere specific for halloween and his son is is too tired he like drags him around late at night because it's what he wants as opposed yeah. to listening to anyone else around him. So he's just, he's so pig headed and so in his, wrapped up in his own bullshit that he can't see what's best for everyone around him. Because we see it in so many small ways at how he is inconsiderate of Nicole. Like lots of it, obviously, we see these big gestures where he is just you know, doing things that are actively against her. But right from the beginning, we see shots of the fact that, you know, for example, she cuts his hair, she cuts her son's hair. But by the time it comes around to her cutting her own hair, he's in the other room. He's not around, he's not helping, he's not tidying up. He's only there when his son is there or when it's his his turn to get his hair cut. And there are other um, examples of that as well, where, you know, she's doing everything for him and yet all he can do is is be distant from that and and criticize her and it's it's just really infuriating to be honest um i wrote so he's already an asshole right from the beginning i wrote he's already an asshole in my notes she cuts all your hair and yet when she's cutting her own you don't help to tidy her up you mock the fact that she doesn't have time to drink her tea but that's because she's running your life and raising your child you fucking asshole um <laughs> cuz right from the beginning we are set up to the idea that there is some kind of issue in their relationship. There's a separation happening because they're seeing a marriage counselor and they're both meant to read out the things that they um, love or admire in their partner. And Nicole refuses to do it. Um, But we do hear what she has to say and we hear what he has to say in this um, kind of voiceover and the introduction to um, the story where we see these clips from their lives. 
um, from their lives. And he kind of, he says lots of lovely things about her, but some of the other things are things like she doesn't tidy up or she doesn't um, drink her tea and do all these things. And it's like, because she's running your entire life. You know, you're at the theatre and you're and you're directing, and that is a big job. But she is not just in the theatre doing her job as an actor, which is rehearsals all through the day, then the actual play in the evening. In between that, she is probably doing the majority of the parenting, and she's doing all these other little chores, cutting hair, doing all the things, and yet you're saying, oh, she never finishes a cup of tea because she's always so busy. She's a slob. She just throws everything on the floor. She doesn't close cupboards. It's like, well, of course she doesn't because she's fucking shattered and she's running your life and she's doing everything. You come home and you probably don't have to do that much. And, and I, think it's, I think it's a common thing for a lot of women. And I'm not saying women are the only people who have these experiences. Of course, some men do as well. But I think a lot of women who choose to have children and work end up having two jobs, essentially, they do the majority of the housework, and maybe even three jobs, majority of the housework, majority of the uh, childcare, and they have their job as well. And two out of three of those jobs are unpaid and usually underappreciated. And this is still a hangover that we have. And it's a problem um, where back from when men were the breadwinners and they brought the, the money in and, and women perhaps didn't work or didn't work full time. And they're key role was therefore to look after the house and to uh, raise the children and this is this hangover women now go to work but they don't get any or they many women don't get the opportunity to not have to do half the things that you do at home do it looking for looking out uh, for the children doing all these extra bits and bobs um, that are important uh, to running your life and this is this unpaid labor that many women go through and yet he doesn't see that all he can see is that she keeps leaves the cupboard doors open and she throws her coat on the floor when she walks in and oh it was so infuriating he's so wrapped up in himself that he doesn't see anything outside of that like even even when she's saying about wanting to uh direct and he kept saying oh yeah next time but every time yeah was still just him directing like he didn't support her at all and yet she spent her entire marriage to him just supporting him and bigging him up and making sure that everything went right for him and he couldn't even give her one show to direct and then when she did start directing she won a fucking emmy well that's the thing also because she obviously brings a lot of attention to his projects when they're in new york she also was famous and undoubtedly she got built up her own name in the theater world because of her work with him but she could have at that same time be building up her her name in te television or film in los angeles because yeah. she was already this ingenue this this uh, i mean admittedly it was in a sex comedy so they like belittling the fact that it's not a super serious film or anything but she was on the steps on the you know to get to doing uh, these much more serious and dramatic roles scarlett johansson emma stone Anne Hathaway, all these actresses did these jobs, you know, did these roles which were perhaps more, perhaps more light-hearted at the beginning of their careers, and then they've gone on to, you know, they to show that they can do even more dramatic or serious jobs uh, or, or roles as well. Um, and she could have had exactly the same experience um, as uh, the actress who plays her, but also <laughs> uh, several other actresses and actors 
who do this. So many come up through the soaps, um, yep. come up through um, things that are considered like cheaper art, not as important perhaps as more dramatic roles by some assholes in the industry. And <laughs> even though every role is valid um, and important, and she could have had this amazing career. And even when she goes to do this pilot, he can't even fathom the fact that she that she would even get it and it would go to air. He's yeah. like, she's going to go and she'll be back. And then she'll be back in New York and we'll carry on how we are. And that's not obviously what she wants. Her dream is to do this pilot, whether it's shit or not, to do something and to build up her career in film and television and then go on to do other stuff, to direct, to take on other roles. And he can't understand. He sees it as a as a sign of jealousy. Uh, not jealousy, sorry, selfishness. And it's his jealousy in, in her wanting to go to to California um, to do these roles rather than uh, the fact that she had these ambitions within her that have been filtered for all this time. He thinks that she's gone there deliberately to take his child away from him so that she can win in this divorce. But actually, yeah, because... and we, I think it's important. We don't actually get to see that much of her career happening uh, during this film. We see her at the beginning when she's doing some test shots and uh, that's when she talks to somebody and gets the lawyer. But we don't see that much of her actually doing her job. I think that's an interesting thing because clearly that's not the focus because it's not what Charlie wants to focus on in this moment. I know it's about the marriage and that's falling apart, but we don't get to see any of her successes. No, we do get to see him at work. A lot. So, yeah. But also, like, if you see, like, when she asks him his opinion on reading the pilot that she's doing, and he goes, oh, I, I don't have an opinion on it because I don't watch TV, and she looks over and he's literally watching TV, it's just so dismissive of everything that she does. He's such a pretentious ass. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's such bullshit. But also, like, the fact that he just dismisses everything that she's doing... Because yeah. he can't get over his ego for one minute. And it's because it's not his interest. He may not want to be in film and television, but why yeah. is it such a bad thing that she would? Because he sees himself as this intellect, as this artistic niche um, director. I mean, director. Yeah, and like that's great, and that serves some people. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with her wanting to have a career in something else. No, absolutely not. Like they're all valid. This is this is the thing. Like if you look down on someone else's art when you're trying to be an artist, like you're the dick. Yeah, exactly. Like, and just... I get it. I also would want to hang out with Wallace Shawn all the time, but nevertheless. <laughs> but oh my god, can I just ask a question? Is Wallace Shawn that small, or is Adam Driver that tall? Oh, he's he's. That What's tall. going on there? He is... I think I think it's a really? mixture of the both. I think it's a mixture of the both. I know oh, okay. Adam is, is big, but I also think Wallace is is quite small. Um, so I think I it just him. looks like amazing on screen. Where you're like, what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and he's being this really rude, salty actor who gets cut off before he says really, really, you know, vulgar things. I love yeah. it. Love oh, it. It's, yeah, he's got a great part <laughs> in this. <laughs> I just, I just with regards to like obviously Scarlett Johansson's character had such a huge part 
in building the theatre company and she's willing yeah. to walk away from it all and he's not willing to just do any little thing to no. change his life to accommodate his apparently people he loves. Like... Well, especially since we, we heard that he turned down an opportunity to direct a play in uh, Los Angeles. And that's obviously coming from his pretentiousness because Los Angeles is not known so much for their theatre work. No. Comedy, yes. Film and TV, yes. Not so much theatre. Mm. Uh, whereas New York, of course, is is all theatre and, and Broadway. So you can see why he might think that way professionally. But in terms of him being a good husband, no. Uh, he's not giving her the opportunity to follow her dreams and give it a chance at the very least. Um, I'm not saying he has to give up everything that he wants for her, but she is expected to give up everything that she wants for him. And they haven't found this middle ground. And then and then the fact that they did go to Copenhagen for however long, six months or whatever, shows that he is willing to relocate and do theatre elsewhere, just not where she wants. Exactly. Um, and when Nicole and, um, and the son, Henry, comes to L.A., he ignores the fact that Henry likes it better in L.A. Henry, who has had to go around regardless of where his dad is working, Copenhagen, New York, now he's come to L.A., he seems to quite enjoy it. He's got family around, he's got cousins, he's, got, he's made some friends at school, he likes it there, and yet his, you know, Charlie cannot get over this idea of this New York life um, that he has in his mind, he's not even listening to his own son. And he makes such a big deal about the fact that he's flying there and back. And don't get me wrong, like, there is a huge amount um, of, there's a considerable amount of climate pollution happening um, because of this divorce. But I think that, yeah, he makes such a big deal about that when everybody else is expected to move around for him and he can't understand why Nicole would want to move. And he can't understand why his son might be happy in Los Angeles. Because he's so wrapped up in himself. Yeah, well, he even he even says at one point, like, oh... Because one of the lawyers has said to him, like, oh, the, the kids will tell you what they want you to hear. So he's got that in his head. That Charlie's only... I mean, sorry, Henry's only saying to Nicole, oh, I want to stay in LA because that's what you want. But then Henry says it to Charlie as well. And he yes. ignores it. Yeah. It's like, so no, he's not just saying it because it's what he wants you to hear or what he thinks you want to hear. He's saying it because that's what he wants. That's what best is best for him. And that's what he likes. And you're ignoring it because it doesn't fit into your little idea of what your life will be. Yeah. He's just, he he's very selfish and very self-absorbed. What I thought was interesting is when we got to the point in the film where... Charlie sees his lawyer and he starts to, you know, get basically told exactly how this is going to go down. And we start to see him become a bit unnerved for the first time because so for so long he's had the upper hand um, and has been controlling the situation. And it's almost like now he's getting a taste of his own medicine because actually Nicole is somewhat ruling the roost here when it comes to the divorce. She seems to have more power, partly because of, like, uh, the 
the legal uh, implications of some of the decisions she's made so far about moving to Los Angeles, enrolling her child in a Los Angeles school, um, her family being here already, um, her job being here and being stable. These are all things that, uh, the fact that they got married in Los Angeles, these are all things that um, add weight to her uh, side of the story when it comes to the, the divorce. Um, but him suddenly starting to become unnerved for the for really the first time um he's might kind of make small and desperate attempts to kind of regain that control um and it's really kind of it's quite insidious um some of the things that he does um like commenting about how uh, so Scarlett Johansson has like the most mum haircut uh, I think I've ever seen on her um I kind of like it uh, it really suits her but um, she definitely had this look, shall we say. Um, and he talks about how he liked her with longer hair. And that's such oh. a controlling behavior to say. Just be like, I'm good, you know, these small little details about you. I'm, I want to control that. And perhaps in the past, he was able to control her. But he can't anymore. And he's yeah. trying to cling on to that. Um, and I thought it was really interesting to see him start to kind of unravel and to see how he was trying to cling onto that sense of control, despite the fact that he's clearly losing it. Uh, but it also, at the same time, when you see his attempts of control, you see how much strain their relationship must have been under for her yeah. to have to put up with that for so long. Well, even even when he gets served and uh, is saying that that's like she says, look, like this isn't a marriage, like this isn't what we want and he like we're not happy we're not in love or whatever it is that she says he goes well I don't want this as in the divorce it's like no he so he admits he doesn't want the marriage but he doesn't want to lose the control and have the divorce he's like because he he that being served takes away his control that he had over the whole thing he wants everything to go his way and be done exactly how he wants and even even when he walks into uh nicole's family home he just walks in like he owns the place and like grabs food and i'm just like and brings his bags in as if well yep this is this is like where i am i was just like jesus i get that a little more when you're still married when you're going through a separation or a divorce uh, perhaps not. This is no longer your family home. Um, and you should come in a little bit more kind of trepidatious in, in that moment. I, I also thought that is some cocky energy walking in there, right. doing whatever you want, acting like everybody else is acting a little bit strange or whatever. Um, having this like mildly inappropriate relationship with his mother-in-law. Um, <laughs> she was insufferable. Um, she was the worst. <laughs> the only thing I will say is she did say one amazing thing. Um, she said, even though I am 64 and have a dead gay husband, I managed to get up every day. And I was like, you know what? That is motivating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, the fact that she said that though, while watching her adult daughter pee, because she has oh, no boundaries. Yeah. I was like, oh dear. Oh, oh, we need to learn some boundaries there, love. <laughs> well, also like she, she helps Charlie out in ways like like by helping him get a lawyer and things like that in ways that could potentially actually hurt her own daughter yeah i thought like i'm sorry i'm not saying you have to take sides but this is inappropriate but you helping someone get a lawyer is basically you taking sides 
it is and yeah. she's taking the wrong one <laughs> like yeah, yeah and we also cool. we also learn through um nicole's sister who i fucking love she was amazing i love um, her <laughs> best character in the whole thing i think apart from laura dern um but uh she we find out through her that her mother is again being inappropriate by still seeing her ex-partner and yeah. it's just so inappropriate um when you know that something has not worked out probably has not been the best emotional journey for your daughter and yet you're choosing to still hang out with someone when you don't need to yeah oh and, yeah God. she had she had no boundaries at all and yeah i just Oh, it was just, it was so tough to watch that bit. Like, it really was. Anything with the mum, I was like, oh, God, no. Oh, like, and the fact that so she tough. calls herself Gma. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was oh, not God. great. She was not great. But, no. which is why later on, Charlie throws in Nicole's face, like, oh, are you, you're like, so much like your mum, your your parenting is so much like your mum, and, you know, when we were together, I would wake up and look over, and sometimes I'd see your mum there, and it was, like, repulsive. And I was like, oh, man, like, throwing, throwing things like, you're so like your parents, and I know Nicole did it to him as well, but it's such a fucking low blow. I, I felt like he had so much more anger inside him than Nicole did for him which I thought was well, I thought which I thought which it was bizarre and I know that the person who asks for the divorce has usually emotionally detached themselves from the person in the relationship a lot earlier perhaps than the other person but he had so much anger in that confrontation yeah well I mean the fact that he said that he wakes up every day and wishes that she was dead I mean and, like went into detail about how he wished that she would die. Yeah. And then she comforted him. Again, showing his controlling behaviour, the fact that he, he's basically almost gaslighting her into believing that he ha- he cares for her more than he does because he'll say the, the most horrible things and then he'll say sorry and it doesn't really feel that heartfelt because he did just punch a wall. And, it's, and she then feels compelled to mother him and care for him and the fact that he's had this uh difficult relationship with his own parents we're led to believe that's due to alcoholism and stuff and it's not really brought up you certainly get the um the feeling that he mothers that uh, she mothers him in in their relationship as well as being a wife and that is a boundary that really probably shouldn't be crossed and he's relied on her for that and he's got all this anger that he hasn't expelled in a constructive way or hasn't sought support for supposedly and it's terrifying to see because what he says to her in that moment and the way that he says it I think it basically is verbal abuse at that point yeah and I wonder if she's had to deal with those outbursts previously as well yeah well it doesn't the fact that she doesn't seem shocked by like, it like that shocked yeah she's obviously hurt she's obviously upset um and she and her said performance stuff. is incredible yeah <laughs> um but she she yeah she didn't seem overly shocked by him punching the wall or him saying all of this heinous stuff to her makes yeah. it seem like it's something that she has dealt with previously uh yeah. and she even says at one point about him gaslighting her 
Um, yeah. And it does genuinely seem like that is the case. She can't express her emotions to him. We see right at the beginning of the story, they come home from doing the play and she says, right, where are my notes? And he says these notes to her, basically criticising her performance. You can imagine this happening every single night, despite, despite the fact that she's getting like standing ovations and stuff. It's never quite good enough for him. And then she can't say anything because there's this weird boundary between professional and personal relationship there. And so she goes into her room and cries herself to sleep. And you wonder how many nights this happened. And, and how she many hides. What, she's so worn down that yeah. she just takes it. Yeah, and she like she is so quiet in her crying so that yeah. he doesn't hear her. Like he, She's protecting him still even in those moments of complete vulnerability and complete emotional like trauma she's still protecting his feelings and his ego and him but also being silent but also is it maybe she's hiding how upset she is because she doesn't want him to come in and have an altercation with her yeah you, we don't see enough of their relationship before the separation and the divorce to know how you know, fractured it has been and how abusive potentially it has been. But through his behaviour throughout the film, we definitely see there is something a little unhinged and uncontrollable in his actions. He cannot take criticism. He cannot take the idea that anybody taking um, control away from him. And that might have been a defence mechanism to deal with his childhood, perhaps. But it's not something that you can use moving forward in your life and expect to have constructive relationships. You have to deal with that in some way. You have to seek help. You have to, you know, put that into something constructive um, rather than taking it out on the person who you're meant to love the most. Yeah. And yet he seems to keep wanting to take these low blows at her consistently. And he, he justifies all of his behaviour, like even the fact that he cheated on her... He oh, says, yeah. he justifies it by saying, well, I was already sleeping on the couch by that point, as if that makes it okay. Doesn't make a difference. And also he says, oh, well, throughout my 20s, when I got when I got famous, I could have fucked around as much as I wanted and I wanted to, and I didn't. And it's like, firstly, that's not that's not something you should be proud of. The fact that you didn't cheat on someone is not something you should be proud of. That should just be a given. But also... You married someone who is a film star and you're saying to them because you were on the cover of a magazine for being a director that she should bow down to you for not putting your dick elsewhere? Like, it's well, just it's, such bullshit. He, he expects to be applauded for not cheating on her previously in their relationship, so in the early stages of their relationship. And you're right, the fact that she clearly could get it because first of all she's Scarlett Johansson but second of all <laughs> she's she's an ingenue she's a up-and-coming star she's clearly an attractive woman um clearly very talented probably could become one of the stars of the moment if she had continued her career in that way and she doesn't she chose she, cho uh, she, cho she chooses to go another way and she chooses to be in love with him and she could have slept with somebody else if she wanted to probably but she didn't and quite frankly if you're in a relationship with someone should you even be noticing that other people want to sleep with you all the time and make it into being such a self-sacrifice that you didn't sleep with them and that you wanted to if you're in a relationship where you were not a narcissist 
and uh, cared for that other person deeply, you wouldn't even be considering wanting to sleep sleep with somebody else unless you have an agreement already in place as part of your relationship. That's a separate thing. They clearly don't have that. But that is something where it's, he, he seems to think like he is, he sacrificed so much for his relationship. And the things that he's saying that he has sacrificed are things that shouldn't be seen as a sacrifice. Yeah, seriously. Like how how is you not cheating on someone a sacrifice? Why are we meant to be applauding that? I just you... don't get it. And also he did cheat on her. He just is yeah. saying, I did it at a time where you shouldn't care about it. And uh, also because I didn't do it when we were younger, I should be bowed down to. It's, f- yeah. it's such you should be bullshit. Gl- you should be glad that I only did it once we were having problems. And it's like, well, that yeah. made the marriage worse, didn't it? But also the fact that he did it with somebody who's basically in his own home, in the sense that it was somebody who worked at the theatre, who where she worked as well. That's the yeah. worst thing. That's like sleeping with the nanny, you know? Yeah. That's sleeping with somebody that every you know everybody in that relationship has a connection to. And it's, a, it's the worst thing that you could do. How he thought that it was going to he was going to get away with that I don't know but I understand if you're in an emotional state and somebody is throwing themselves at you you might be um perhaps tempted but you should have a moral character high enough to overcome that yeah and even even if you don't and you do fuck up don't then be like oh well yeah I did fuck up but you know you should be grateful that I didn't do it before Exactly. And then he throws in her face that he didn't even want to get married. And it's like, well, this is yeah. the root of the problem, isn't it? Because clearly you were not committed in the same way that she was, which is yeah. evident throughout the whole film. But also, he got married to her. Why? If he didn't want to, he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, I don't get it. And it, like she even says, which is so heartbreaking, like, oh, you never loved me like I loved you. And it's just so it's so clear from the get-go that he loved himself and his career way more than he first yeah yeah and it's just i think so sad i think it's it's common in a relationship for someone to perhaps be more at least open about how much they love someone than, than the other person if not some one person loved the other slightly more than them but it should be a fair it should be like you know 55 45 you know it shouldn't be 70 30 or something really dramatic you you should be like in small numbers do you know what i mean to have a, a good relationship i would have thought but i also think it ebbs and flows like i think that at different times people in a relationship love the other person maybe more and then it yeah. changes around and i think it if you ever find yourself consistently loving yourself more than the person you're with then you've got issues yeah yeah like that's just i can't and i don't and that's not me saying you shouldn't love yourself because of course you should love yourself but not to this level (laughs) if you're such an egotistical maniac that you can't see yourself doing anything or even listen to other people saying what they want then there's a big issue yeah and also, like, I, unless she's, uh, you know, throughout their relationship dressed up as different variations of David Bowie, I can't see why he married someone he didn't want to. Because I would marry Scarlett Johansson just for her turning up dressed as David Bowie. I um, fell in love with her all over again at that point. I was like, yes. I didn't know that was something 
I didn't know it was something I needed to see in my life and I 100% did. So I'm very happy that that was witnessed. And I can only imagine the reason for marrying someone that you don't love the only reason I can imagine you did that is because they turned up dressed as Ziggy Stardust and you went, yes, <laughs> love it, going for it. And then every year on Valentine's Day, you're like, I'm staying in this because now it's Aladdin Sane. And now, <laughs> you know, and going through all, you know, I imagine, I really want to imagine in their marriage that she's just gone right from um, Space Odyssey all the way up <laughs> to like 90s grungy, it's not really grungy, but like kind of dark David Bowie stuff. Um, that's what I wish, and that's how they kind of kept their marriage going, is her commitment to um, uh, David Bowie. Her David Bowie. <laughs> she has the right kind of short hair to be able to kind of flick it up and make it all crazy. Oh, um, she made it a fantastic David Bowie. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, that's the only way I can see why he would have married her when he didn't want to and then have a marriage with her when he potentially didn't love her that much. Because... So I, that being said, if someone did that for me, I would love them a lot. <laughs> yes. Well, I think I think he did. I think he did love her. I think it just wasn't as much as he loved himself and his career. And you can and love think, someone and it not work in a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, love can come and go as well. Uh, yeah. So, and I think he did. Like she, she says in her letter about how great a father he is. Um, yeah. And yet, when we watch him as the father, he does seem to be very set in his He's own ways and very controlling with everything. Um, so it's like, obviously, we didn't see the full eight years of Henry being alive or their full marriage or whatever. But like, it seems like because even she says, oh, he, he doesn't like co-sleeping. So we see that he when he does go and put Henry to sleep he swaps from the floor and up to the bed a lot so he doesn't sleep with him and yeah. henry all henry wants is to sleep in there and that's absolutely fine if you're not wanting to co-sleep but then she says to her mum oh don't tell charlie because he doesn't agree with co-sleeping so it's like it's not like they have this relationship where they can parent together how no. they both want to they don't have any give and take and again it shows his level of control in the relationship is much higher than hers yeah which is just sad yeah now we haven't talked about it yet i've made like slight references but of course like i know you may disagree but i do believe that laura dern is the best thing about this film um she first of all she looked fucking stunning fucking stunning and then uh she has this charisma this cockiness this like confidence that is uh so charismatic and attractive to watch in this moment her kind of wooing nicole as a employee as, as a customer and then um you know how she manages to get nicole to reveal things about herself um and she's really interesting in that sense but she also has some really wise moments i really appreciated the monologue that she says to nicole about how a woman how a mother has to look to the world so much so that I wrote it down. I'm going to read it out and then we can talk about it because uh, she said, people don't accept mothers who drink too much wine and yell at their child and call him an asshole. I get it. I do it too. We can accept an imperfect dad. Let's face it. The idea of a good father was only invented like 30 years ago. Before that fathers were expected to be silent and absent and unreliable and selfish and can also, 
Uh, we can all say we want them to be different, but at some basic level, we accept them. We love them for their fallibilities, but people absolutely don't accept those same failings in mothers. We don't accept it structurally and we don't accept it spiritually because the basis of our Judeo-Christian whatever is Mary, mother of Jesus, and she's perfect. She's a virgin who gives birth unwaveringly supports her child and holds his dead body when he's gone. And the dad isn't there. He didn't even do the fucking. God is in heaven. God is the father and God didn't show up. So you have to be perfect and Charlie can be a fuck up. And it doesn't matter. You will always be held to a different higher standard. And it's fucked up, but that's the way it is. And what a fucking monologue. A monologue that really was not necessary to be had in this film. But I really appreciated that they took the time to highlight how, particularly through a divorce proceeding, but in general, in society, we are so much harsher on women, um, uh, particularly women who are mothers, than we are on men yeah. and fathers. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think this film in, in general has some great monologues. Like there's, there's a couple of Scarlett Johansson ones that I'm just like, holy shit, you're incredible. But that, yeah, I mean, firstly, you know, I'm a huge fan of Laura Dern. I wouldn't have <laughs> a bad word said against her. Well, um, she's in your favourite Jurassic Park. Yes, she fucking is. Um, <laughs> God, I love her. Uh, but she, I mean, she was incredible in this. And yeah, that, that monologue was just, I mean, it was so. It so opens up the the discussion where we do have. It's we're in a patriarchal society, so we are held to different standards, like men and women. If we're taking it purely from the binary here, obviously, are held from very different standards. And she did say some incredibly true things that, if yes. you do look at it from the point of view of fucking Mary, like. It's yeah. so true. It's so fucking true. And it's just... And don't get me wrong, that is not taking away from all the great fathers out there. Oh, 100%. There are some brilliant fathers, but I think it is very truthful to look throughout our history and see how many self-sacrificing mothers there have had to be, and yet how harshly so many of them have been treated by society. Um, and it, it's, it's obvious also that, you know, if you're going through a divorce, people are going to look more closely at why a mother might have two glasses of wine in the evening or why a father might have two glasses of wine in the in the evening. And there is no difference between them, but for some fucked up reason in our society, we treat them as different. We treat it as worse that the mother is behaving in a certain way rather than, you know, treating it equally with how a father might behave. And it's something that we really do need to overcome because 100% in divorce proceedings when it comes to custody, it's often favoured, not always, but often favoured for the child to end up with the, with the mother. There has to be something really quite challenging um, for the mother not to get custody in most situations. However, I think that mothers sometimes are scrutinised at a higher level than fathers are. And that's in the media and it's in divorce proceedings as well. They are expected to rise up to a certain level that is significantly higher than what a father has to. A father has to just be involved in a child's life in the, in the law to be seen as a good father. And a mother has to do everything perfectly. Otherwise, we criticise them. And you see that even online nowadays 
you see women who share how they mother their children and parents, uh, sorry, men who choose how they mother uh, or father their child. And the criticism on, of a woman will always be more than a man. The amount of times I see in the press how men are celebrated for spending time with their children and women are not celebrated in the same way. And they shouldn't even be celebrated. It should just be seen as, look, the father is out with their child. The father is doing what they need to do as a role of a father to look after their child. But instead, they're babysitting their child or they are doing something <laughs> where it is is seen as they, they are doing something that is almost outside of what is believed to be the responsibilities of, of a father. And it's ridiculous because in a relationship, in, in, in a situation where you have children, surely the, the most well-adjusted children come out of families where both parents are involved and show their love and care for them and raise them together. And they work together as a team to raise their children. Surely that creates the most well-adjusted, happy children. Well, also you see in this in this film where she is called out for potentially calling her son an arsehole, not to his face, just saying, oh, sometimes he can be an arsehole. And they yeah. say, don't ever say that. But earlier on in the film, Charlie says, get in the fucking car. Yes. Uh, like, to his eight-year-old son. Yeah. And nothing nothing is said. Not no. a single thing. No. Like, it's just that it shows the double standard for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's just it's it's so glaringly obvious, and the fact that Laura Dern's monologue just sums it up so perfectly. It's um, a very well written monologue. You know, from the last episode when we talked about Princess Sid, how much I bloody love a good monologue. Um, yeah. And I think it's a really good opportunity for a director to, or for a writer to have their voice heard, their opinions heard in a story. And it can be a really effective way of, of that character speaking to other characters in the scene, but also to the audience. Yeah. And looking at how they, you know, we need to adjust certain things in our society or adjust certain beliefs that we hold um, or change our behaviours in a certain way or think about something in a slightly different um, way than how we have previously. And that's nearly always the kind of goal of, of these powerful monologues they stay with you it's not a surprise that Laura Dern won an Academy Award for this because she was fucking fantastic but she also had probably one of the longer and uh, more I would say substantial monologues to deliver in this film in like a supporting actress role exactly and yeah. the Academy bloody loves all that well I mean <laughs> yeah I mean Scarlett was, was nominated as well because she had some fucking Killer monologue. Who won that just, year? I'm not 100% sure. Oh, she, I was just saying she she just delivers. I mean, I think she's a fantastic actor anyway, but she just, the way she delivered everything in this and even to the like subtleties of the bits where she wasn't delivering like a huge monologue or anything, just her subtle looks and subtle glances. She's just, she embodied Nicole so well and I just thought she was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely quite a subtle performance at times. She humanises Nicole in a very endearing way, where yeah. obviously we're on her side, but um, she makes it so much easier for us to empathise with her 
and to not villainize but to be critical of charlie yeah absolutely and i just yeah i i mean you can't fault scarlett johansson in my opinion so <laughs> uh so renee zellweger won best actress for judy which i disagree with i have opinions about that film um you know i love judy garland so of course i'm opinionated about that film but uh brave woman for choosing to sing when everyone knows what judy garland sounds like so yeah true. not sure it benefited her in that role but we'll get to that another time i'm sure one of the other parts of this film that I thought they did so well and it made me so uncomfortable was the woman who came round to watch uh, Charlie be a dad and she just yes. was the most awkward and uncomfortable person that I've like I just was so uncomfortable watching it and I was trying to put myself in that position and I would have been worse than Charlie in that position I found her kind of hilarious because oh, I, yeah, I, she was so dry in her yeah. delivery and intentionally so. Um, but it made his fumbling seem even more heightened, I think, because of her, her inability to react like a human being. Um, and I understand why he uh, tried to dress everything up and make everything look amazing um and he clearly was doing this over the top meal and it's like nobody cares that you're doing like steamed aubergines or whatever for dinner just give him beans on toast it's fine um (laughs) actually i don't think they do that in america do they no fucking if anyone's listening in america you need to get on it it is fucking delicious agreed it's incredible well if he'd served up some beans i think she would have eaten the dinner with them well i just i think like firstly it was so ridiculously fake where he even said oh we have to hand we have to give back some of these plants like yeah i I felt it was all a bit overwrought in the idea that he had all these framed pictures by his son on the wall no parent does that they don't frame multiple pictures by some shitty art you know art of an eight-year-old on your wall do you you put it on the fridge and then it when they're not looking, you throw it in the bin. Everyone knows that. But it also showed how when he like went to open the cupboard and couldn't figure out which way it opened. So he's done all of this dressing of the apartment, but can't figure out how to open one of the cupboards in the apartment. Yeah. It just like it shows how how it was all whitewashed as opposed to like actually having fakes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought that was fascinating to watch. And it's like, everyone would do it. Of course you would. If you're being judged on your parenting skills, you're going to be acting not how you would normally act with your kid. Yes, I think that he failed in one key area, which is that he forgot to consult his child about it. And what I mean by that is he has been an ass to his kid for the last several months. And then he's expecting his kid to just, like, be the perfect little kid for this this interview, essentially. I mean, that's not going to help. If you had garnered a great relationship with your child over the last couple of months, through a, probably quite a difficult and traumatic time for him, your kid is going to come and lay the table, no questions asked. He's not going to huff and puff. He's not going to Especially when there's company behave. there. Exactly. They just, you're going to have a more natural relationship, which will be evident to whoever's seeing it. He forgets to basically 
check in with his son. He does everything else perfect, but he doesn't check in with the human aspect of it, which is exactly what his marriage has done. He's made everything look perfect to the outside world. He's had the perfect career, but he has failed to look at the human element of his marriage. And he has failed to do that for his son as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I bet you that uh, Nicole had a much better meeting. Because I would have liked to have seen that. Same. Absolutely the same. Um, but she's actually been there for the kid. And and I don't just mean she's spent more time with him. I mean, like, she's actively there when they're together. Yes. When when Charlie is with him, he just is dragging him around and doing stuff that Charlie wants to do. Whereas yes. Nicole, who... Charlie even got mad at Nicole at once for trying to play and keep him entertained because Charlie was two hours late. Yes. And it's just like, well, you've got, what are you meant to do? Just sit there and wait for you? Like, she's actively having fun with him and playing games. Yeah. And Henry even says at one point, like, when, when the woman is talking, like, oh, this is what we do at my dad's house. And then at home, this is everything. So he clearly yeah. feels like his home is with his mum and what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, by the end of this film, I was just glad they got divorced. That's all I'm going to say. I wasn't looking for any kind of reconciliation here. I'm glad they got divorced. You know what? It wasn't a failed marriage. It was a successful divorce is what happened here. Eventually. I I loved that at the end, they have this then once it's all over and once it's all signed off and they don't have to worry about it anymore, Nicole can be more generous with the things like she always was before. So like saying, oh, you can take him for tonight, even though it's not your night, because she's just being generous with him and like reaching out and giving that chance to him and like going over and tying his shoelace. It's just these little gestures that she does, which she clearly always has been like that because she's a generous, open person. But it just shows, okay, they've gotten to a point in this relationship where they can just be back to being themselves. And he does eventually make the right choice by actually making a sacrifice to a certain extent for the benefit of his family. He chooses to take a job in LA so that he can be close to his child and so that he doesn't have on his conscience all of those air miles and all of that pollution. Um, it's not expressly said, but I feel it's there. And uh, I, uh, I think that shows his growth by the end. They both grow by the end. Um, she's able to, again, be civil and meet him uh, as a parent more fairly. And he is able to, probably mainly because he's made that sacrifice and shown that he is willing to be wherever his child is so that he can still foster that relationship with him and be involved in his life. And I think ultimately, you know, she got Charlie to move to Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, she, shame she it, definitely won. <laughs> yeah, shame, shame it couldn't happen in the marriage, but you know, maybe it was for the best from what we've seen. Oh, she is so, definitely better off. Yeah, well, it's, it's, she has a partner as well by the end as well. So yeah. she's moved on and seems to be quite happy. She's thriving professionally. She seems to be having a good time going out into like the dating world and stuff. So she seems to be happy now and he's alone, which is probably better for him at this time in his life. Yeah, absolutely. And he's still he's still doing well professionally, so which is exactly. what he wanted. Because although he's sacrificed by not being in New York, he's got a fucking good job 
in Los yeah, Angeles. So. Exactly. It's he, not like he moved there unemployed. Exactly. It's not, he's not done that badly. It's fine. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So it was a, this was a film where I, I certainly took a lot from it, but it wasn't a film that I necessarily enjoyed. But I don't know if you're meant to enjoy this film. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I love this film. I think it's, I think it's a very good film. I enjoy, I enjoy it to the, to an extent. I don't know if enjoy is the right word though. Um, I mean, the performances are just incredible, and I love, I love the monologues in it. Um, but yeah, it's not exactly like happy go lucky. Let's sit down and watch no. this like joyous movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would watch Scarlett Johansson and Laura Dern do anything. So yeah, I mean, really, we should just get rid of Charlie and have them be the main features of the film. I don't want them to get divorced though. If they could just get married, that would be great. (laughs) You know what? It would be really interesting to see this from, um, a non-heterosexual standpoint. I mean, I know that the director, um, use some of his own personal experiences as a a basis for this film and he was in a heterosexual relationship so that makes sense and I'm not trying to gay everything up but I do think it would be interesting because I do think that um obviously there can be very different dynamics in different partnering heterosexually as well as homosexually or bisexually or whatever and I think that it would be interesting to see a marriage story from a different kind of perspective totally on board for that i would love to see that who would you cast oh it very much depends are we doing are we doing it exactly like this story so you've got one sort of bad guy-esque and one like let's yeah let's say it doesn't have to be exactly the same but let's say it's an unbalanced relationship and one person is unhappy and wanting to leave well if that is the case then to be honest the characters exactly as they are Scarlett Johansson and Laura Dern would work Laura Dern as Charlie yes, <laughs> yes. So totally she's work. more charismatic she's she more is. charismatic but uh yeah I would be totally here I mean her in her David Bowie suit with her you know mum haircut her yeah. you know Laura Dern gorgeous locks stunning dress amazing figure looking amazing being yeah. awesome I would, yeah, I would be here for that. So <laughs> that's it for Marriage Story this week. Uh, but next week, it is your choice, Soph. So what have you chosen? Yes, so I have chosen uh, Best in Show, the Christopher Guest film, which has Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara and Jennifer Coolidge and lots of amazing actors in it. And I think it will be uh, a really fun one because it's obviously very kind of dark, dry humour a lot of the time. Um and very satirical and I love that kind of comedy so and you love dogs so I feel like it's I think it's going to be like a marriage made in heaven um and I haven't watched it in a little while so it will be interesting to to kind of revisit that one absolutely and what an epic cast so I'm definitely excited to revisit as well yeah it's gonna be really good I think yeah absolutely awesome well come back next week uh for best in show and yeah uh, until then have a good one. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, and you can follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. Yeah, and uh, comment, email us, whatever. Let us know, leave reviews, letting us know what your favourite film is. I'd be interested because I'm always looking for new films. And I'd be interested to see what yours Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'd perfect. be great. All right, well, anyway. until next time. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. You can also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com. And you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.